good that we, uh, <clears throat> living in a world that is so, so challenging, so many things are going on. I mean, in this last couple of weeks, we have heard of so many different things happening, earthquakes and, and tra uh, train derailments and all sorts of things that, that just are difficult to to comprehend you know we need to be praying for the people that are are in turkey and in all that situation i want to i want you to know that uh tony cook who we support is uh is helping to uh reach people there and and make sure assistance gets to them um jason law with world compassion they're on the ground and they are are ministering the people there uh, so as you give, we give out to them, and they take it to the ends of the earth. And so you're, you're having an impact. I say this, and I mean this with all my heart, and I believe this is the way every church is supposed to be, no matter how big or how small, that we are a local church with global impact. Uh, God, God has for us in the, the United States who have been so blessed in so many ways, our, our country isn't perfect, but I'm telling you, until you go out and see what the rest of the world is like, you have no idea how good we have it. And, and the Bible tells us to whom much is given, much is required. God, God has blessed us with a lot of things, and we, as Becky was sharing, we, we are the ones that are able to sow seeds into other people and, and see eternal change in their lives. So, uh, so, so good. But along with all the, the negative things, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And uh, I don't know if you've been hearing about uh, Asbury University or Lee University or the other 14 or 15 universities across the country that are experiencing revival. That is awesome. It is amazing. <clears throat> and uh, some people are skeptical and, and, you know, I don't know if this God... But we don't. We, we see, we've got to look at the fruit, and when we see the fruit, and I was, I was listening to a, uh, an interview with the president of uh, Asbury, and he said, there is a spirit of gratitude, praise and worship, humility, generosity, love, and repentance. I'm going to tell you, those are all characteristics that God would have us embody. And so that's going on. How long will it go on? We don't know. But we hope that it continues and it continues to spread. But there is a, sometimes there's a danger when we hear that something's going on out there. You know, we're, let's go to Asbury. I, I have to tell you, you have to be careful of that because if God's not directing you, it's just a work of the flesh. And don't think that God's limited just to Asbury or Lee University or any of the others. God can do anything, anywhere, with anyone. So we have to be obedient. Obedience to God is more important than anything else. And so if God is, is kind of nudging you that direction, be obedient. Well, I don't understand. You don't have to understand. Just be obedient. If God is, you're piqued by that, and you want that, and God's not directing you to go, then be present with Him right here, and let Him do a work in you, because God can do works anywhere with anyone, anytime, and we don't have to expend expenses to go, but if God has for you to go, it'll be a great investment, but if God has for you to stay, stay and be attentive to God, and let God Work this work in your heart and in your family and in your church and in your community. Amen? God is so good, and he, he never, never, never fails us. Well, this morning we're going to continue on. We've been learning about Ezekiel and the prophetic dream vision that he had and how it relates to Israel as a nation, but how it's very applicable to uh, our nation, to the church, uh, there, he was taken out in the spirit to a valley that was full. The valley floor was full of very dry, scattered bones, an indication that there had been a massive casualty, there, were, there was division, everything was mixed up and strewn around, and it was very dead. And uh, as he looked at this, God asked him a question, and 
remember, when God's asking questions, it's not because he's in need of information. There's nothing that God doesn't know. Whenever God starts to ask questions, we, we start to sense God asking us a question. It's to help us locate where we are because we're not always aware of where we are, but God is. And so he asks Ezekiel, he says, Ezekiel, after he's seen this decimation, this apocalyptic situation, Ezekiel, can these bones become living beings again? And, and so he doesn't hesitate, which is amazing to me because he just, this is where he is. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. Truth. Every question, every situation, there's only one who knows the answer to what you need, and that's God. The problem is when we start to take on and think, you know, I can figure this out. I can work this out. No, you can't. Honestly, we do try. We have an A for effort, but many times it still ends up as an F for failure. And because God isn't about you working harder. It's about you and me working with him, allowing him to work with us. Because with God, what's possible? And with, with man, the Bible says, nothing is possible. Now, we can look and we can say, look at this building. Look what we did. Well, we can do things. But understand this. Whenever a human being accomplishes anything apart from God, it is temporary. When a human being allows God to work in and through that person, it then becomes something that is of eternal value. Because God does things that last. And so God said, when he said that, he was showing great respect, great reverence, great honor for God and and, and the fear of the Lord. And when we fear God, when we respect and honor God, when we are in awe of God and esteem God, then we come to that place of trusting God more than we trust ourselves or anybody else, which is really what it ought to be. The reason why we trust in us is because we don't trust in Him. And the reason why we don't trust in Him is because we don't have an awe of Him. This, this absolute reverence, respect, of God seeing that God is so far beyond any and all of us together. And we come to that place of trust and then we obey Him. And it's not a struggle because we know with God all things are possible. It's not something I just say. It's something I believe. We believe. And because we believe it, we're not gonna, we are not going to chance it on us trying to do something when we can trust God and follow Him and know whatever He does, He's working it out for Good. Working it out towards being life-giving. Being liberating. And so, God says to Ezekiel, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy. I want you to prophesy to the bones and say to the bones, hear the word of the Lord. And say to, and, and all these things come to pass. But you can notice our new banners up here. The bones? Can those bones live? Gotcha. God, you alone know the answer to that. If God wanted those bones to live, they'd be alive. So we have to always, it, it, it's natural, and I really appreciate you saying no, because that is our natural inclination. I know the answer to that. I know the answer to that. I know how to do that. I know what I need. I know what they need. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it is. I have to tell you something. When I said that, I hadn't planned on it. I didn't say it in the first service. But it reminds me of, of some counseling sessions that uh, we've been in where somebody comes in, I've got a problem, I want to talk to you. And, and we, we don't do counseling because we're not licensed and, and accredited to counsel. So we give spiritual guidance because we always go back to the Word. Because there's nothing better than the Word, all right? So we'll sit there, and we'll be talking, and we'll hear the, the situation, and then we'll say, well, you, you, you might want to do this. You might make this adjustment. I know. 
okay? All right. And then throughout that, we'll, we'll be reminding them of the word and possible choices they can make that are different. I know, I know, I know. And I will tell you, oh, this is bad on me. I will tell you that I, I have thought in times past, where in my own mind, well, if you know, why aren't you doing it and why are you here? But I have been good. And I have never said that out loud. And I'm not thinking that as often these days either. So I'm making progress. But in this situation, God tells Ezekiel what he needs to say. And he says, speak, prophesy to the bones, hear the word of the Lord. And then, then he does. He prophesies as he's commanded. And all of a sudden, as he's prophesying, and, and we talked about prophecy being, you know, speaking inspired or directed by God. And he was. He was speaking the word of God. That's inspired by God. That's directed by God. And all of a sudden, as he's speaking, there's a noise, a rattling, and bones come together. And on the bones come tendons, and on the tendons come, come muscles, and on the muscles come skin. And there are these fully formed bodies. There is a uniting that happens, supernatural, because God's word is being spoken. God is a God that unites. Do you know who divides? The enemy. Your enemy divides. Everywhere you see division, there is a work of the enemy. And we have to be very careful because the Bible says anything divided will not stand. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that. We have never seen so much division within the borders of our country, within the confines of our communities, and in the midst of our families. And we know who's behind it. And that's where we, we need to realize that God is going to be bringing things together. But we can't bring things together because everybody's going to believe what I believe and see things the way I see them. You know, you all need to change. Well, that's in most of our minds. They don't think the way I do. Where do they get those stupid ideas? <laughs> you don't need to be like me. I don't need to be like you. But everybody needs to be like Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Apart from him, there is no life. Oh, yeah, human beings are alive, but we're dead spiritually. Dead in our trespasses and sins. We have, we have an existence, but we really don't have life. And that's why people are so searching for something that will satisfy them and fulfill them. And the only thing that will do that is God. He created you with a purpose. And to, to fulfill that purpose, we have to let God have his way in our lives. And so this happens and the bones come together, but there's no life in them. And, and we read that last week in verse 8 and went on to verse 9. And it says this, And he also, God also said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may what? Live. So he's saying, prophesy, Ezekiel, prophesy, use my words, prophesy to the breath. Now we found out the word breath is, is, it means breath, it means wind, but it also means spirit. And this is representing the spirit of God. Without the spirit of God, there is no life. We physically are alive, but we are not alive to God the way we're supposed to be. One third of our being and who we really are in essence. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. But our spirit is dead to God. It's separated from God because of sin. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so when, when we, we come to Christ and we repent, just like we heard at, at Asbury, that there's a spirit of repentance. People are, are turning over and turning around and turning back to God, giving up things and giving over things to God where he has control, which is the one who naturally, supernaturally needs to be in control of our lives.
Because if I had a list of all the decisions you made this last week that didn't work out, you'd see that you shouldn't trust you. And I would see I shouldn't trust me. But there's one, every time I choose his way, it always works out for good. And that's God. And you would think by now, by now, these decades upon decades, I would have learned my lesson. But I still struggle with it, just like you do. And that's where we need to let God have his way. And so he prophesies, and he prophesies to the breath, to the Spirit of God, come from the four winds, because Holy Spirit is everywhere. Come, Spirit of God, and breathe on the slain that they may what? Live. And then verse 10, it says, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood up, they arose, an exceedingly great army. Now, this represented the house of Israel, who had lost all hope, who, who didn't expect their nation to exist anymore. They were in captivity in Babylon. They had heard that Jerusalem was sacked and destroyed. They had no home to go to. They had nothing. Their hope was lost, just like some people today. I want you to know, as long as you have God, you have hope. The Bible says he is the God of all hope that fills us, us who? His kids. With joy and peace, now get this, in believing. We got to believe it. We got to believe he's the God of hope. We got to believe he's going to fill us with joy and peace. Now joy, the joy of the Lord strengthens us. Peace, that word peace, sets us at one again. We reconnect with God where we need to be from the beginning. In believing that we would abound to even more hope. You see, our God is not just a I'm giving you life. I'm giving life and life more abundant. I'm giving you peace and, and hope and joy in abundance, overflowing. God is an overflowing God. He wants your life to be overflowing so your life overflows into the lives of all the people around you, saved and unsaved. This army that stood up was Israel. Put them back together. Put life in them. This is what it represented. But it also represents you. The churches. Things that have died. Things that have not been realized. Things that we held on to and held on to and held on to and then we got so tired of holding on to them we let go. The Bible says don't let go of your faith. Hold on to your faith. So if we're going to hold on to faith, where does faith come from? Hearing and hearing by the word, we got to hold on to God. There were a few weeks back where I talked about holding on to God with both hands. I'm telling you, you and I cannot afford to let go of God to reach towards something else. In the days that we're living in, we need to hold on to God tightly with both hands. Why do we have to hold on to our faith? Because it has great reward, the scripture says. God is a rewarder. But if we let go, we lose it. Because the enemy's out there to steal it. And, and Ezekiel was being given this privilege because he feared God, because he was obedient to God, because he was trusting in God, because he was, he was in awe of God. He honored God above everything. Esteem God, reverence God, and God gave him the part that he could do to be part of raising up the nation of Israel. You speak, but speak my words. It's like what God's given us. You do, but do my work. Do my will. Do it my way, God says. And we can, we can try and do it all sorts of other ways, but we're going to find out it's not going to work the way God does. And so this army is now on its feet. It is an amazing army. And this is what God has for the church. This is what God has for you. Jesus is coming back for a church. What kind of church? Well, we're surviving. We're just hanging on until we can get out of here. That's not the church he's coming back for. You know why Jesus is coming back for the church? 
Because if he doesn't come back and remove the church, the glorious, victorious church without spot or wrinkle, then the enemy can't move forward. Because the church has the power to keep the enemy at bay. And so the church has to be removed so that the enemy can flood forth. The enemy comes in like a flood. And do what the Bible says is going to happen. And then the church is going to come back to the earth. But we've got to be removed because there is such a force that pushes back the darkness, pushes back the enemy. Because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And so God is doing this and we need to hold on. We need we need to prophesy. We need to speak life to those things that are dead and dried and, and, and buried. Things that have not come to pass. If they're what God has, then you need to speak life to them, prophesy to them. Speak God's word over them. Not what you want, God's word. But it's got to be directed by the Spirit of God. Because if not, it's just the flesh. And so... As I, I studied this out before this year started, this was one of the scriptures that, that the Lord had given me. But we're going to go to another portion that is in conjunction with this in the book of Joel. And before we get there, I just want you to bow your heads. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence. Do, Father, what only you can do, which is the impossible, the miraculous, the supernatural in our lives. We aren't looking for spectacular, but we're looking for you to have your way, which is always life-giving. Today, Father, we thank you that your word is life and health to anyone that hears it, whether they're here in the sanctuary or online. There's no time or distance in the spirit. So we thank you for healings occurring. Father, we thank you also that your word is truth and it sets captives free. We thank you for those that would be set free of the lies and the darkness the enemy has tried to bind them up in. Lord, we thank you for those that would be set free from the power of sin and saved. We thank you, Father, for your word that is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. And Father, there would be illumination that comes today from your word. The entrance of your word brings light. And Holy Spirit would, would help us to understand and process, and that would be revelation. And Father, as we obey your word, we would experience transformation. So we thank you for doing what only you can do as we choose to work with you in Jesus' name. And everyone said? So we're going to the book of Joel, another prophetic book. In the book of Joel, I, I had been led this direction and, and was studying this in chapter 2. And uh, there's a lot here that talks about the army of God up above this. But, but we're going to concentrate right here on verse 28. And, and Joel is, is hearing from the, the, the Lord and it says, It will come to pass afterward that I will... God's saying, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also, my men also on my men servant and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit on those in those days. So we see God saying, this is what I'm going to do. Now, we saw where Ezekiel prophesied to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came. The Spirit of God breathed on those slain and they came to life. Just like God's breath was breathed into uh, Adam in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and he became a living being. Just like Jesus, when he saw the disciples after his resurrection, he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. There is life that comes from the Spirit. And that, that's that's... I think I got them ahead of myself. Did we go to John 6? Thank you. I was looking up at you, Summer, and I realized I had gone over. Let's just look at this real quickly. It says, Jesus' words are, it is the Spirit who gives life. Okay? It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits what? That's why we can't just run off and do what we want to do because we're sowing to the flesh. The Bible says if we sow to the flesh, we reap destruction. But if we sow to the Spirit, if we follow the Spirit, we'll reap everlasting life. How many of you want everlasting life? I do too. That's why I can no longer afford 
to follow my feelings, follow my desires. I need to follow the Spirit of God, be led by the Spirit of God. And then it goes on to say, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So we've established life comes from the spirit. That's what brought life back to those bones. And, and now going to Joel, uh, where he's talking about pouring out the spirit, pouring out the one who brings life. Afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And also on my men servant and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So he's pouring out his spirit. But we talked a little bit about this last week. If somebody's pouring out, let's say, um, what, what, what's, what's very expensive? Diamonds, wine, gold. All right, let's say that there is gold, that coins that are being poured out. If you've got a series of glasses that you can contain it in, if the glass isn't facing the source of the poor, what happens with the poor? It's lost. It, it, if I have a series of glasses and I've got two here in the middle and they're upside down and two on either side of that and they're pointed this way on their side, and two on, on the side of that, and they're pointed straight up. And I go with a pitcher, and I go right over all of them because he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. The one on the end that's faced upward, it'll get filled. The one that's faced sideways, it'll get wet. Maybe a little will bounce into it. The one upside down, it'll get wet, but it'll eventually dry off. And that's what's happening. God's pouring out his spirit. And those that aren't turned towards God aren't receiving what God has. Who's responsible for that? We are. We choose what we're turning to. And that's why the enemy has been so masterful in distracting us to turn to so many different things. Man, there's all sorts of stuff that's pulling on us. And, and we have to resist that temptation to go after it because it doesn't matter how good it looks. If it's not God, it's not good. There are three people here that agree with that. Because it's a tough thing for us to admit. Man, I, I like watching football on TV. But if God were to say to me, you know, you need to cut that out of your life. I don't think I'd be like, okay. I'm going to be like, Why? doesn't make any sense. I don't put a lot of time in it. It's just one day a week. Come on, God, give me a break. Because that's what my flesh is doing. But I don't want to sow to the flesh. Because I reap destruction. I got to sow to the Spirit, say no to the flesh, yes to the Spirit, and say, all right, God, what do you want me to do at that time? I want you to serve your wife. What? <laughs> Be like Jesus with Peter. Get thee behind me. <laughs> she knows. She knows. that That is one of the things that I, I really love to do. I love to serve the gift that God's given me. And bless her because when I bless her, guess who else I'm blessing? Eventually, but first, I'm blessing my Heavenly Father who gave me this gift. I am, I am showing that I value this gift. And I value him who gave it. You see, one of the things we're going to find out, and, and we'll get to it. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to do it anyways. One of the things we're going to find out is that we, want, we all want revival. But what comes before revival is unity. And what produces unity is the fear of the Lord. And until we have that, we're not going to have the unity that is necessary to have revival. Where you find revival, you find unity, and you find the fear of the Lord. We'll see it today. And we'll understand this more in the future. But he says afterwards. This word afterwards is an indication it's a future occurrence. But he said, I'll pour out my spirit on who? All flesh. And then he designates different aspects of the flesh. Your, 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 
old men, your young men. So it's your, but look at the change in the next verse. And also on my. Now God is speaking this. Who's he speaking this to? He's speaking it to Joel to speak out, but speaking about Israel. Israel, I am going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, on your Israel, sons, daughters, old men, young men. They're going to prophesy. They're going to dream dreams. They're going to have visions. And I'm going to pour out my spirit on my servants. Because if it was just your sons, daughters, old men, young men, you'd be out of luck. I'd be out of luck. I'm not Jewish. It's to the Israelis. But then it says to my servants, my men and women that are serving me. That's to us. And, and he fulfills this, but it goes on to say in verse 30 and 31, he says, I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned to, into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. What is the great and awesome day of the Lord? It's the return of the Lord. All right, so, so he's saying this is going to happen before my return. And it's actually already started. There are two parts, Israel and the Gentiles. And we go to the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is, is the Acts, it says the Acts of the Apostles, but it's the Acts of Believers. It's the beginning of the church. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared on them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this is the beginning of the church. We are part of the church. This is our roots. When God begins something, he continues to work it, but we can't let go of what it began as. And so he poured out his spirit, and they were in this one place, right? One accord. Unity. But why were they there in unity? What, what was the impetus what propelled them to be in that one place? Jesus' command. Jesus' command. Jesus told them, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive power from on high that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So if we're going to be witnesses, has a quick question, just a little survey. Has the world gotten better from that time to now? <laughs> no. So if they needed that power back then to go out into the world to be witnesses, don't we need that power? Okay. And Jesus had commanded them, and they were there where Jesus commanded them to be. What is that? They honored, they respected, they reverenced God to trust the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to be obedient to what he said, to be where he wanted them to be. Now there is unity. And I'm telling you, if you sit down and you go through who these guys were, there's no way they would be unified. Man, you had two people at the opposite ends of the poles. You had people that were absolute zealots. They were fanatical and then you had people that were traitors in the same room. And there's no blood. And, and so they're there. And they're in one place and one accord because they feared God. They've been obedient to God. They trusted God. They're obedient to God. And all of a sudden this outpouring of the Spirit comes. Now, they were where they were supposed to be. If they had not been there, this wouldn't have happened to them at that moment. Does that mean they miss out forever? No, because God continued to work and fill people with the Spirit. 
but they weren't where they were supposed to be, when they were supposed to be. They're in the place, in, in the frame of mind and unity, the way they were supposed to be, and they would be robbed of what God had for them when he had for them to have it. Sometimes we delay what God has for us. You and I can't speed up what God has for us. There's a time God has appointed. But when we're disobedient, when we're not uh, fearing God and trusting God and obeying God, then we delay what God has for us. And it's not the enemy. Sometimes we're our greatest problem. And it just goes back to the flesh. It goes back to the fact that we're not trusting God and obeying God. We're not fearing God. And so it says that they, they were there, they were filled with the Spirit, and, and these tongues of fire came on their head. You know, God, God reveals Himself as fire throughout the Bible. We see when God spoke out of the burning bush, the bush looked like it was on fire. Was it on fire? No, that was the manifest presence of God. When God was leading Israel in the wilderness, one of the things that he led them by was a pillar of fire. The Bible tells us God is a consuming fire. Fire is a display of power, but it's also a display of purification. So these, these tongues came on each one of them. They were filled with the Spirit, and then, now this is where we get into the tough stuff. Because everybody has their opinion. I want to tell you about your opinion and my opinion. It doesn't matter. Except to you. Your opinion matters to you. But if you let your opinion matter to you more than the truth of God's word, you're going to be robbed of what God has. I'm going to be robbed of what God has. And I was of the opinion, because I've been taught... In the churches that I was going to, I realized that I was never hearing about this, that, that people were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And when my parents called and said, hey, got some news for you. We've been filled with the Spirit. We speak in tongues. Huh. Oh, yeah? And Debbie and I were absolutely shocked, appalled, and determined. Determined we were going to come up here to this Rome, New York, and we were going to get our parents out of the cult. <laughs> Is that not true? Absolutely. Then, then our, my parents said to us, listen, just read your Bible. You know, go, go to the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. Oh, we've been in the book of Acts. We know what it says. But I had trusted everybody around me to help me understand what I needed to read, and that wasn't any of it. I never heard any of this. I heard about Holy Spirit, but I didn't hear about tongues. And so as we started to read about it, Debbie realized this was something that, that we both realized it was something we needed. God showed us this is throughout the Bible. And we went to our pastor and said, why, 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 why don't we hear about this? Well, we don't talk about that. Not in this church. Okay, so you're cutting things out of the Bible. I'm not sure this is a church I need to go to. And, and supernaturally, Debbie was facing a situation with her mom that was really difficult. Her mom was dying, and Debbie wanted to be a help to her mom. And so she said, God, I want everything you have for me. I need all your power. And a lady two doors down got a phone call from God. But he didn't use the phone. And said, you need to go down and see Deb Heck and pray with her to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This lady, man, I'm telling you, this lady is amazing. We didn't really know her. And she comes down and she knocks on the door. We knew her, kind of. She's a neighbor. And she told Deb, I'm here to pray with you. God told me I'm to pray with you to receive the Spirit of God. And prayed with Debbie, laid hands on her. And Debbie received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with a prayer language. Now I, the hard head, said, you know, I'm going to wait. And I waited until Christmas Eve when we came up here and I had Peter Puglia lay hands on me and pray for me and I received the Spirit of God with a prayer language. And my life has not ever been the same. 
and we went back and talked to our pastor in the church we were we were involved with. I was I was working with the youth, and said, "What you know? <laughs> this is real. Something's happened to us." He said, "Well, you know, what's the difference?" And we said, "You know, we want to read our Bible more. We we want to spend more time with God. We we <laughs> we want to pray more. We want to tell people about Jesus." And he said. He dropped his head. I'll never forget this. He dropped his head. And he said, yeah, you're right. But you can't stay here. Now, it wasn't a bad thing. He was looking out for us. He said, you, you can't stay in this church and lift your hands and, and praise God and, and speak in tongues because they will throw you out. And then he started to cry, which really unnerved me. He said, I know it's real. He said, my, my roommate at seminary got filled with the Spirit. But our denomination doesn't believe in this. And so he couldn't really show anybody. And I was afraid to receive that. And we said, you know, Pastor, we, we love you. We have loved this church, loved what it's been for us. But... We believe this is real, and we've got to go someplace that we hear this. And so we did. And, and our lives have never been the same. One of the things that, that people don't understand is, well, you know, that tongue stuff. Well, it's not about salvation. But this is a gift from God. And if you don't receive the gift that he has, then you can't have everything that he's designed for you. And, and just, just for whatever, okay? In the book of Jude, the Bible says that you build yourself up on your most holy faith. How many of you want to build your faith? Okay. Are you ready to hear what the Word of God says? Building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. As far as I know, the way we pray in the Holy Ghost is we pray in tongues. And so that's how we build ourselves up. And I will tell you from the day that I got filled with the Spirit, Praying in the Spirit helps energize me, empower me. It also helps me to pray the perfect will of God. The Bible says you pray mysteries unto God. I don't understand it. But I have been a long time praying in the Spirit where I realize the Bible says trust in, your, trust in the Lord with your whole heart. Lean not to your own understanding. I'm not going to let my brain get in the way of truth. I don't understand it, but I'm still going to do it because God said it. And the Bible tells us when we pray in the Spirit, we, we pray mysteries unto God. There are things I don't even know I need, but God does, and I pray in the Spirit, and that's, I pray for you, because I don't know what you need, but God does. And the moment I give myself to praying in the Spirit, I'm praying the perfect will of God for anyone I'm praying for and everyone I'm praying for. And I can't tell you how much I depend on this. And how much this has changed my life. But it's not just mine. These people, their lives were radically changed. It will radically change your life. And so they, they are filled with the Spirit. And they're speaking in other tongues. They're in this upper room. And they begin to spill out into the street. And they, they, the people around them, they hear them. Hear them praying, speaking in tongues, and, and the Bible says they each heard them in their own language. And what they were saying was glorifying God. And you may say, that's bizarre. Let me tell you another bizarre thing. I've shared this, I think, once or twice before. Debbie and I went to Israel with a group from our church, and, and we were at, I believe it was Caesarea Philippi, and there was an amphitheater. And we got out of the bus, and, and a lot of us went down to the floor of the amphitheater. Some of them stayed up on top. And we were down there, and we were just overwhelmed by the fact that we're standing in places that Paul stood, that Jesus stood. And this is amazing. And we just wanted to thank God and praise God. And so we began to sing to God in the Spirit. The, Paul said, I pray with my understanding, and I pray in the Spirit. I sing with my understanding, and I sing in the Spirit. So we all began to sing in tongues. And we were just having a great time. People were backing up from us. <laughs> but we're having a great time. It's like, 
Glory to you, O God. And we're just singing to God. And, and, and we just started back up, got in the bus, and our guide, who was a general in the Israeli army that would do tours at times and had our tour, and he gets over to our pastor and he says, what an amazing group of people. Pastor Tim looked at us and he was like, these guys? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, they are so diverse. And, and he said, what are you talking about? He said, they were singing. I know seven languages. I heard all seven languages. Your people are amazing. He said, no, 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 no. God's amazing. He said, they didn't know what they were saying. They were just praising. He said, I know God. At that moment, he realized what God was doing supernaturally through people who were looking foolish to everybody else. And that opened the door. He's not a believer. But his wife was home. She has cancer and bad headaches. And he said, can we, can we take the bus by my house and you can pray for my wife? An open door. Because people were just obedient to God, allowing the Spirit of God to have, have his way. Now, I would love to say to you, we prayed for her and she got saved and she got healed. We prayed for her. And I, I don't know, but I'm believing that God impacted her, definitely impacted Ephraim, our guide. And it's just another seed sown or seeds that are sown watered. But God gives the increase. And, and so this is, this is something that happened on the day of Pentecost. It, it impacted not only these people. These people spill out into the streets. People are watching them, listening to them. And we pick this up in verse 38. Is that what it is? 15. 15. Thank you. Thank you so much, Summer. <laughs> it says, Peter, Peter is speaking. He's speaking to all, everybody. And he says, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, what we just read. And then he quotes it. He says, and it shall come to pass, not afterward, but in the last days, God, that God will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servant and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Go ahead. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. These, these are ordinary people that are letting God have his way in their lives and they're being filled with the Spirit. The life of God, the breath of God is coming into them. And they're allowing themselves to be used like Ezekiel was because they fear God. They, they reverence God. They, they honor God. They're in awe of God more than anything else. And they're trusting God and they're just being obedient. Nobody had ever had this happen before. But it was the beginning of something that needed to happen to everybody. Because this is the gift. This is the gift that God has. And Peter goes on to speak to all these people, and he's talking to the Jews that are all gathered there for the feast, and he's telling them about David and how Jesus is part of David's lineage. And, and uh, in verse 36, this won't be up here, it says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know, this is Peter speaking, that, the God, that God has made this Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ, 
He's telling them, that guy that you guys all witnessed being killed, you probably said, crucify him, crucify him. That is the Messiah. That's the Lord in Christ. Now, all this he's speaking because he's filled with the Spirit. God's directing him to speak. He's basically prophesying to these people. And in verse 37, it says, Now, when they heard this, they were cut to their hearts. They were cut to their hearts. They were pricked. Something just went inside and just stuck them. They couldn't deny it. That's, that's what the word of the Lord does. That's what, when we are giving ourselves to God, when we're in awe of God and we're prophesying, we're speaking what God has for us to speak, it's not just words. It hits home. I can't tell you, and I, I, I know this is God. I have told you this time and time again. Every Sunday, I experience miracles. To stand before you and do this, this is nothing less than what God is able to do in a vessel that is not capable but willing. I would not have been anybody's pick to do this except God's because God wanted to show what he could do through the weak and the frail and the foolish. All of us in comparison to him. God wants people to see Christ in you, not you, not me. There are many times when we go through new members class and even just after services. There are people, some of you come up to me and you say, man, I don't know why everybody else was here. Because you were just speaking to me. They could have all gone home. I wasn't speaking to you. God was. I'm speaking to the best of my ability. Counting on God to make up the difference. To do what he wants here. And believe that everybody here, you at home, are going to hear what God has for you to hear. Because that word. That word being inspired and directed by God, that prophetic word, in Ephesians chapter 6, it says it's the sword of the Spirit. It's what pierces through things. It's what people can't shake off. You know God's talk to you, no matter what vessel he uses. And God, God wants to use all of us. But God used, look at the, God used Peter. Peter, the, the one that, that Jesus had to rebuke, get the, behind me, Satan. God wants to use you, use me. But we've got to come to that place where we're in awe of him and we're filled with the Spirit. He goes on to say, Peter said to them, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Pierced them. They couldn't shake it. Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift. We all like gifts. But every gift we choose not to receive, we don't get the benefit of. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you, and to your children and to all who are far, far off, as many as the Lord God will call. There are a lot of people that are told something that isn't true, that, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the speaking in tongues is, was just for the apostles, just back for them. But we read right here what Peter speaks, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that this gift of the Holy Spirit, the, the tongues, is for you, for your children. That's two generations. And then he says, and all. What's he talking about? All generations. As far off as many as the Lord our God will call. Is God still calling people? This is for today. Now, please understand. You can believe whatever you believe. I used to believe that it was for a time gone by. 
And because of that, I didn't have the benefit of it. Then I come to read what the scriptures say, and I see in what I can understand, and I'm not the smartest guy, but what I understand, this is for everybody. And so if it's for everybody, Jesus, I want everything you have, please fill me with your spirit. And the Bible says we're supposed to be being filled. It's, we have an initial filling overflowing, but then we have to continue to be filled because the Bible tells us we're clay pots, we're cracked clay pots, clay pots that are cracked wheat. And if you're doing anything for God, whatever you're giving out, you should be giving out of God. And if we're giving out of God, then the level's going down and down and down and down and down. And many Christians, when we're not filled with the Spirit, when we're not building ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, we get depleted. And when somebody comes to us, we're almost like, don't come to me. I'm tapped out. Because we're trying to reach down, way down, because we haven't been refilled. We haven't been living that life of overflowing that God has. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundant, not life. God will work all things for good. God has abundant life. God has abundant blessing. God has abundance because our God is an abundant God. And, and when we allow ourselves to be filled and we choose to do the things that help cause us to be filled over and over again, we're, we're praying in the Spirit, we're singing in the Spirit, we're, we're spending time with God. All of a sudden, there's this overflow and and our life isn't tapped out. We are giving out everywhere we go, and even when we don't know it. Because when something's overflowing, you have no idea where it's all going, but it's going. You don't have to be aware of where God's using you, how God's using you. It's nice when you are, but there are times God's going to use you when you have no clue. Because He wants people to come to him, not to you. But they'll come to us first so we can point them to him. So this is going on. And look at what it produces. Down in verse 41 through 43, it says this. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Wouldn't it be amazing to see 3,000 people give their life to the Lord in a day? I'm telling you, it's happening. I, I have been talking with uh, a man that I know that works with SOS, one of the organizations that we support that works in Africa, and he has told me there are thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of people, Muslims, that are giving their life to the Lord. But why isn't it happening here? I'm telling you, there, there are people there, they'll walk miles to get to a meeting. They'll go without food. They'll stand in the sun to hear a word. We have it way too comfortable. Our, our convenience is, is really in opposition to our commitment to God. There are things that need to change in all of our lives. And that's where... The fear of the Lord. When we make God our priority, there's nothing more important, nothing more we want than God. Then this is going to start to change. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it in places across the country in these, these, these universities. People don't care. They're there all night. They're going without meals. Why? To worship God. To praise God. To be with God. To, to allow God to have his way in their lives. Man, I'm telling you, if, if, if revival broke out here, and next Sunday there, there were a thousand people outside waiting to get in, how would we take it? Well, I'm a member there. I want to get in and get my seat. <laughs> Honest. Or would we be like, that's awesome. You go. I've never seen you before. Go on in. We're going to put other people first because that's what it does. When we have God living in us and overflowing us, 
all of a sudden, God is more important than anyone, and everybody else, we esteem others as more important than ourselves. Three thousand were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayer. And look at this. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Fear. That's not terror. It's the reverential awe of God. When, when we see thousands of people come into the kingdom, we see thousands of people healed. We see thousands of people delivered. You can't help but be in awe of God and say, oh, God, how great, how great you are. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be a part of what you're doing. I just want to do what you want. I don't, I don't, I don't want to impress anybody. I don't want anybody to, to follow me except as I follow you. There's only one Savior. It's not you. It's not me. It's Jesus. And this fear came upon them. And then the wonders and signs started. There was the fear of the Lord. There was the unity that they experienced. There was a revival that happened, which produced more fear of the Lord because people were getting filled with the Spirit. People are getting saved. And all of a sudden, the wonders and signs start. Now, this says they were done through the apostles. I want you to know, the Bible lets us know that these signs and wonders are going to be following those who believe. Not just a few. All believers that are willing to get in line, to let God have his way, to let the Spirit of God lead us and empower us. Because when the Spirit of God comes into us and, and we're overflowing, we're letting him guide and govern and guard us, control us, that's when the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is a result of Holy Spirit having His way in us. And people need to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And then the gifts of the Spirit, they come as the Spirit wills. We have to be available to the Spirit of God. And when they come, we're, we're talking about working of miracles, gifts of healings, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, prophecy, Tongues, interpretation of tongues. All of these are signs for unbelievers. But they won't be in our lives unless Holy Spirit is filling us. Controlling us. Governing us. And that's not going to happen until we come to that place of fearing God. Revival happens because of unity. Unity happens because of the fear of the Lord. We're going to see this. And this is what God is calling calling for that people would be in awe of him, would be so much honoring him that they would not even consider doing their own thing because they're too, too busy and too desiring to do his. Amen? Like every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, it all starts out with, with one thing. It's the door. Jesus said, I am the door. He also said, I stand at the door and knock. He opens the door and lets me come in. I'll come in and, and eat, have fellowship, communion, and connection with him. But until that happens, he's on the outside. He wants in, not because he wants anything, but better for you. And the only way we get the best is to get the best, and that's him. And so this morning, if you're here or you're online and you've never, never invited Christ to be Lord of your life, never actually repented and turned to him, to trust in him, then today I, I would like you to join me in a prayer. We're all going to pray together, so it's not like you're going to be singled out and people are going to be looking at you. But let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father. Thank you for your son, Jesus.
who came into the earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for my sins, and was raised glorious and victorious. Today, King Jesus, I confess I am a sinner. I'm coming to you to receive your forgiveness and your lordship. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. <laughs>